80s San Francisco was both a very gay place and a very scary place. During that time, there was an unknown disease ravaging the gay community throughout the United States, HIV and Acquired Immune Deficiency Syndrome, or AIDS. Medication and treatment for AIDS was virtually non-existent at the time, but there was a ray of hope. His name was Dennis Perone, and the drug was cannabis. Welcome to the Canacast. Welcome to the Canacast episode two. Before we jump into the podcast episode entire, a little bit of housekeeping. Thank you for joining me today. I'm sorry that this episode came out late. A family emergency occurred this week and I had to delay. But seeing what days people are finding it easier to listen to the podcast, moving forward, we're going to be switching episodes releasing on Friday as opposed to episodes releasing on Monday. So now the Canacast will be releasing every Friday on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're going to be there just on Friday instead of Monday. Glad you're listening and enjoy the podcast. Perone was a Vietnam vet who'd arrived back in the U.S. with two secrets. He was gay, and he had two pounds of weed tucked away in his rucksack. Over the course of his time as a San Francisco fixture, he would be arrested for possession of over 200 pounds of weed, run one of the most interesting hostels in the city, complete with dayglow walls and heretical thinkers, watch his partner Jonathan die of AIDS, and see the same disease ravage the San Francisco community. The reason that Perone holds such an exalted place in the pantheon of cannabis pioneers is because he not only co-founded the San Francisco Cannabis Buyers Club, which became one of the first public dispensaries in the country, but because he was a strong advocate for full cannabis legalization for medical use, realizing that cannabis could be used as a potential treatment for the new terror that was facing the gay community during the dawn of the 80s. During that time, there was little hope for treatment and still less interest in helping the gay community. Perone provided one of the only means of relief to those suffering through the disease in the form of cannabis. He had come to recognize the efficacy of cannabis in combating the symptoms of AIDS through the worst experience possible, watching his partner find no relief in medications available at the time. While his partner Jonathan lay dying of the disease, Perone provided one of the only means of alleviating his suffering in the form of cannabis. Not just to his partner, either, but to many throughout the gay and lesbian community in need of help. Perone became one of the most important early advocates for the legalization of cannabis in California, as well as the United States, along with figures like Brownie Mary and Jack Herrera. Perone became a driving force behind Prop P, a resolution by the city of San Francisco in support of medical marijuana that would be passed in 1991. That was just the beginning, however. In 96, Perone followed up his work to get Prop P passed by taking on the entire state, co-authoring and working hard to pass Proposition 215 in 1996. 
Now, Prop 215 was one of the most significant events in the recent history of cannabis legalization, and one of the defining events that began the shift towards wider acceptance of cannabis. Prop 215 was a voter ballot measure that would legalize cannabis for medicinal use in the state of California. At the time, physicians were forbidden from even mentioning cannabis as an option to their patients, and many physicians were in danger of losing their medical licenses for moving ahead in spite of this and helping their patients get access to cannabis for medicinal use. By placing it on the ballot as a voter initiative, it avoided the possibility of veto by the state government of California, and by placing the power in the hands of the people, it ensured that the bill would be implemented if passed by California voters. The fight to get Prop 215 on the books was a hard one and required a petition 400,000 names long just to be put on the ballot. Even when it was placed on the ballot, the fight continued, narrowly passing with a little over 55% of the vote. But in victory, Prop 215 would forever raise the bar for what was possible for cannabis legalization. Proposition 215 had three major focuses when it was passed. A. To ensure that seriously ill Californians have the right to obtain and use marijuana for medical purposes where that medical use is deemed appropriate and has been recommended by a physician who has determined that the person's health would benefit from the use of marijuana in the treatment of cancer, anorexia, AIDS, chronic pain, spasticity, glaucoma, arthritis, migraine, or any other illness for which marijuana provides relief. B to ensure that patients and their primary caregivers who obtain and use marijuana for medical purposes are not subject to criminal prosecution or sanction. C. To encourage the federal and state governments to implement a plan to provide for the safe and affordable distribution of marijuana to all patients in medical need of marijuana. This ballot measure looked at regulating not only what pot could be used for, but how consumers could acquire pot. One criticism of the bill, however, is the passage, Relief for any other illness for which marijuana provides relief. While the measure singles out specific illnesses to apply cannabis to medically, cancer, AIDS, spasticity, many claim that this phrase opens up the door to far beyond the accepted medical use. For Proposition 215, cannabis was only legalized for medicinal purposes. It wouldn't be until 2012 that it would be legalized for recreational use, and, interestingly enough, not by California. Proposition 215 started what is now a three-decade and growing battle over legalization after California led the way to cannabis legalization on a state level, rejecting the overarching authority of the federal government on this issue. This would lead to a different sort of battle, as the DEA continued to arrest, prosecute, and bust cannabis cultivators across legalized states for federal crimes. In 2012, against the backdrop of the presidential race between then-President Barack Obama and Mitt Romney, a different sort of election campaign was ramping up. The cannabis campaign of Colorado and Washington, in which legislation was running against prohibition for the future of cannabis in the United States. 
When Colorado and Washington legalized the recreational use of cannabis in 2012, one of the last barriers at the state level was breached for letting responsible adults use cannabis. Finally, adults 21 and over could buy cannabis as freely as alcohol or cigarettes. Since then, not only have those states seen over a billion dollars in tax revenue flood into state coffers, but other states like Illinois have taken steps towards expunging possession offenses from over 800,000 individuals, though many remain in jail across the United States for nonviolent possession offenses. An even bigger change throughout states that have legalized cannabis is that underage use is going down and not up as many critics of legalization feared. A recent study has found that in states with legalized cannabis, underage use is 1.1% lower than the national average. Researchers use data from the Youth Risk Behavior Survey, which tracks underage use of illicit substances and dangerous behavior by anonymous surveys from students. Also interesting is the fact that the longer legalized cannabis laws have been on the books, the greater the difference between adolescent use below the national average. Many medical professionals, sociologists, and politicians worried that with the decreased perceptions of harm that could occur, adolescent use would rise further. The drop may be due to many factors, but it's likely from a combination of changing the view of cannabis as recreational to medicinal, as well as an opening up of education on cannabis. Whereas before cannabis was often described as never to be used at any age, Youth are now being told that there are lessened consequences with age and that there are appropriate times at life to decide that you want to use cannabis either recreationally or medicinally. Also with legalization, things aren't quite so taboo. Getting high isn't nearly as cool when no one really cares if you are. What that legal age for cannabis should be, however, is a different story. Right now, cannabis is fully legal in 11 states. Alaska, California, Colorado, Illinois, Maine, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nevada, Oregon, Vermont, and Washington, as well as the District of Columbia. A further 22 states have legalized weed for medicinal use as well. With this growing list, it adds a further question. Where is the federal government on cannabis legalization? The answer, square zero. With the growing list of states legalizing cannabis in some form, 66% of the country has legalized cannabis in one form or another, either medically or recreationally. In two out of every three states, you can buy pot, and although you need a medical card, the difficulty of obtaining one is super easy in most states. In New York, there are even online services to order away for your medical card for a medium fee of 100 bucks. The federal government, however, maintains that marijuana has no medicinal value according to its Schedule One status and still prosecutes marijuana users and businesses both. While you're worrying about your cancer, you can also worry about the DEA busting down your door just for taking your medicine. In the business realm, for example, not only do cannabis businesses accrue exorbitant tax rates at both the state and federal level, sometimes as much as 35%, 
but they also receive none of the federal tax exemptions that other businesses would have access to or be entitled to. Because cannabis businesses deal in what is considered an illegal substance, they are unable to take tax exemptions on what most companies could write off, like equipment or expenses. But just like death, the federal government does still require that those companies pay taxes in full and promptly. There are a number of end runs around federal regulations, however, not least of which being the newly relaxed regulations at LAX. While the TSA has banned the transport of cannabis through airports and will confiscate it if found, TSA at LAX no longer will. You can put a few joints in a pill bottle, put it in your backpack, and you'll be right as rain, just like cigarettes. The airport decided to stop enforcing controls on cannabis so that you can bring certain amounts of weed through the airport with no worries from LAX security. Now, the airport you're flying to may have a different story, but it's just one way that the game is changing. Heck, it may not be out of the question that one day soon, we'll start seeing weed booths just like they have cigarette booths in some airports. Want to smoke to calm yourself down before your flight? Smoke a J in a designated lounge while you wait for your boarding call. As more airports open up their security checks to cannabis, it will become harder and harder to control in states and federal areas where weed is still illegal. It's already extremely difficult since vape pens have become so popular. With some brands of cartridges, you wouldn't know the person was smoking pot even if you were standing right next to them. And really, that's the rub, isn't it? No matter how much the federal government may crack down and push back against legalization, it's a losing battle on almost every front. Not just scientifically, medically, and business-wise, but through the sheer logistics of the movement. When 66% of the country has a reason to carry pot in one form or another, as well as a legal dispensation if they carry a medical card, how do you even begin to suppress that and control it? It reminds me a bit of my home state of Kentucky where we have dry counties, where liquor can't be sold, and wet counties where it can. If you live in a dry county, it's just a matter of jumping in your car and driving across the county border to the nearest wet one. At this rate, I think weed is heading in the same direction. In so many places, you can simply go one state over and get a gram of pot after work. One of the reasons I started out talking about prohibition and illegality on this podcast was to get a strong basis that, although things are looking up for cannabis now, there have been a long series of events over the past 80 years that have made it possible for us to enjoy the ending of prohibition. It's also important to understand how much damage has been caused by keeping cannabis illegal for so long. People have suffered tremendously from prohibition, and the world is worse off than if it had been legal. Now that legalization is on the horizon, there are tremendous opportunities to turn that harm into good. By looking at the past 80 years and how much damage has been done, we can get just a taste of the potential benefits that cannabis will, and already is, providing. Where once profit from cannabis sales could go to fuel drug violence and organized crime, now it can be used to build roads and provide for the citizens who smoke it. While cannabis has been denied to those suffering from disease and illness in the past, now it can be used to alleviate their troubles and pain and provide relief to so many who can benefit from the multitude of medicinal uses of the plant. Cannabis is a difficult subject. 
not least of which is due to the fact that education about cannabis has been filled with misinformation, untruths, and outright falsehoods. Correcting those misconceptions and pieces of misinformation can best be done by locating where they were introduced, as well as understanding that our current legalization efforts aren't entirely recent. It's been a slow, difficult, and dangerous process that's occurred over the past four to six decades. Countless individuals have fought for cannabis legalization, and by doing so, lost everything. It's thanks to them that we have the opportunity to set the record straight on cannabis and deal the straight facts on what cannabis is, how it works, and why it can change the world. Knowing our cannabis history helps us understand the potential that cannabis has for harm in the future as well. With such a flood of money coming into the space, there's a rush to capitalize. And with that rush, a need to be aware of how cannabis is brought back into legal society and adopted by the larger population. The legalization of cannabis is raising all sorts of questions. How much should it be taxed? Does it deserve special treatment above and beyond other recreational substances, like alcohol or cigarettes? The premier focus of cannabis legalization, though, has to be about what is best first for those in need of cannabis medicinally, and second, what is best for all those who would like to use cannabis. Pot's been used to suppress citizens, but it can be a tool to liberate them. People see the green millionaires and billionaires being made every day by the cannabis industry, and they want in. And there's nothing wrong with that on its face. But only if the economic opportunities that the cannabis industry is producing are being used to help cannabis users. In the past, pot users have been prevented from consuming, growing, or selling cannabis. Although we're opening up consumption of cannabis at a growing rate, there are still some major obstacles. The question to ask is, why? As we celebrate growing legalization, it's important to remember that the battle isn't over until every citizen has the right to consume, to grow, and to sell cannabis without fear of prosecution and without the overhead of special interests. There are very real and very practical fears that the influence of a large cannabis lobby in tandem with the pharmaceutical industry and headed by several major companies, could shift legislation away from support for citizens and towards profit. Why allow individuals to grow cannabis in their garden for personal use when you could force them to buy it at premiums? Why allow small businesses to service local communities and provide the exact service and product that the area needs when a larger business can prevent them from even opening with current regulations? Many states require businesses that wish to start a cannabis dispensary or farm to show assets in as much as $400,000 just to apply. Most individuals don't have half a million dollars lying around to start a business. The reason that legislators currently give for this is that it is to prevent snake oil salesmen from selling dangerous products with no legitimacy. Fair enough, and it is important to protect consumers. But there are better ways to solve that problem than making the cost of admission half a million dollars. Rather than stifle industry and small businesses that will contribute directly to the communities they exist in, help them. Instead of forcing a half a million dollar tab up front, require inspections and certifications just like restaurants and bars. Provide training programs like bud tenders are required to take in Oregon.
educate people to know what is the proper way to grow, sell, and produce cannabis products. Cannabis may be legal soon, but the battle will continue for a long time. It's up to each and every one of us to participate in this conversation to make sure that we can provide the greatest good to the greatest amount of people by using cannabis responsibly and by creating common sense regulation of the industry that supports and facilitates the best means of using and producing for the greatest amount of people, not the most profitable. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next Friday. And remember, there's no can't in cannabis. If you enjoyed listening to the podcast, make sure to give us a like on YouTube or SoundCloud, follow us on Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or any other service, And if you'd like to let us know what you think of the show, tweet at us, post to our Facebook page, or send us an email about your comments, criticisms, or concerns. Have a wonderful weekend, smoke some dope dope, and remember, there's no can't in cannabis.